0: All right, everybody out there and man. this is episode 19 of the Portland Real Estate Podcast. I am your host, Tucker Maryhugh, and I'm here with my co-host in our virtual studio, Steve Nassar. What's going on, Steve?
1: Hey, Tucker. Not a lot going on here. Busy week, as is often the case. It's been kind of an interesting one, as I'm sure you've noticed. We've had a lot of rain, and at one point this week here on Meadows Road, our uh, corporate headquarters, our office suddenly became waterfront real estate. I don't know if that <laughs> helped our values or hurt it, but there was a... Uh, there was a puddle across Meadows Road that was probably three feet deep that many people were plowing through. I wanted nothing to do with it in my car. I kind of took a side route through a parking lot. But, yeah, there's a lot of that going on around yeah, town it's, this
0: week. It's been nuts. I think, uh, what was it, Tuesday this week? Was it Tuesday or Monday? was the wettest day on record ever. Which is bananas.
1: Five inches or something crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I was driving up, coming out of Lake Oswego. I hung a left on Tewilliger heading up towards like Lewis and Clark. And there's, there's kind of a, a big right handing bend there. And I came around the right hand bend and literally the culvert had overflowed and the road became a river. And I was hauling nuts. I was going pretty good and I hit it. And you know, you got to basically take your foot off the brake. Don't touch or the gas. Don't touch the brake when you run into something like that. And water's just spraying over the windshield. I can't see anything. It feels like I'm in a wave, right? And, uh, I'm just hoping to God nobody's coming the other way. But, uh, I managed to pull out of it, but scared the hell out of me. <laughs> it came right out of the I on. saw in like th-
1: the news there was like a lake downtown in the Pearl District. Right now, I think Vernonia is going through something not unlike what has happened in the past. I listed a place. One of the worst listings I've ever had. (laughs) And I never sold it, by by the way. I did it for a friend. It was a friend of a friend. And it was in Vernonia. And it had flooded in 2008, I think. And, I mean, this thing had layers of complexity. I mean, the first was... Again, I don't list these. But this was a friend of a friend, and I was doing them a favor. The first was it was a manufactured home. The second was it was in a flood zone. And the third was it was also in a wildfire zone. And... (laughs) And here's oh and there was a fourth it was a short sale.
0: Wow. <laughs> Man, you did a big thing, And favor. um
1: we finally got short sale approval after months and months and the buyer could not get financed. And 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 that's no surprise to anybody here, but I mean the uh the my I was working with my preferred lender, they they had it brokered out to some, you know, random random bank that they brokered to and the bank said up front they could do it and then in the 11th hour they didn't and I ended up unlisting the property, and it's probably about to get flooded here in the next few days. so Probably is. we we'll
0: full circle. You know, just with the, the specs you gave me on that, I don't know, you could give away a property like that. That was a big favor. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, you know, part of Milwaukee's underwater, too. It's just been, it's been kind of a crazy week, and, and traffic has just been horrible, you know, less so now, but on Monday, Tuesday, it was just god awful, too, because of it. So, did you lose power? No, I did not. Yeah, because they've got. There was like twenty some thousand people without power. I thought for sure I was going to wake up this morning. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, there. There's been times this week that remind
1: me of that part of the movie in Forrest Gump when he's just like he's in Vietnam and he's like, and then the rain started and it did not stop. (laughs) He's just like relentless. I mean. Just downpour, downpour, just for like days at a time. Yeah. Well,
0: it was dry last winter, so I guess we're gonna, we're gonna, you know, it always comes back here. That's for sure.
1: Isn't that funny? And it was just three months ago. Like our city was on fire. Like you walk outside and it smelled like a campfire everywhere. And here we are on the most opposite
0: extreme of that. Welcome to Portland, right? So. (laughs) Yeah. Well, beyond the uh, the rain and all the flooding, what's been going on with you this week? Anything uh, notable within uh, both on the broker front and then also, you know, in terms of uh, the company as a whole? Yeah, so I'll start, you know, on the broker
1: front, here's kind of an interesting story. And it ties to something that most Portlanders are very in tune with. I personally am not a huge soccer fan. Now, I don't dislike soccer. It's just not something that I've spent a lot of time watching and getting to know. So, along those lines, I had a listing appointment on Sunday afternoon around 2.30. As you can imagine, there was a little bit of a soccer game that most people are aware of going on then.
0: Just and a few. I actually
1: showed up to the listing appointment, and they were watching it, and we We ended up watching it together. And I got to take in the, the, the Timbers game. It was really exciting to see Portland win. There was so much that I didn't fully understand about soccer. I mean, here's a couple things. I mean, like, why is the clock going up versus down? And <laughs> why? <laughs> These are questions that inquiring minds want to know. Why are we going into overtime when we're not tied? I thought it stops at ninety minutes, right? <laughs> and and then my my last question I was I was thinking to myself I was like, well, okay, that was kind of cool, and I'm glad Portland won, but why don't they make the goal fifty percent larger so that instead of a final score of two to one, it could be maybe something like eleven to nine? Wouldn't that be more exciting?
0: Those uh, you know, those are all very interesting questions. <laughs> I think uh, you know, the hardcore soccer fans might take offense to a couple of them, but uh, you know. I personally, you know, my big thing with soccer, and, you know, I'm pretty indifferent about it, but any sport where you could actually end in the tie just seems strange to me.
1: I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more.
0: Well, I I can say that I didn't watch the game, but I'm not going to say who it is, but I have a neighbor that lives across the street from me who is on the Timbers, and he has got his home up for sale. So, you know, I guess you could take that for what it is. I'm sure the headlines will be coming out at some point in the next week. I'm not going to spread any rumors, but, you know, I guess if you're a Timbers fan... Keep an eye out for the headlines, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, so it was exciting, nonetheless, and I will make it my mission over the next year or so to to understand the rules a little bit better, so that I don't have to ask those questions
0: again. Yeah, well, there you go. So, so I that was
1: the, on the um, that was on the broker front.
0: Before you move on, though, the biggest question: Did you get the listing?
1: I did get the listing. Okay. Yes, we will be we will be going active shortly after the first of the year. Yes, there you go. And they were not hardcore soccer fans, so they were not turned off by my questions and inquiries. (laughs) And on the brokerage front, we've been pretty busy lately. We've been hiring a couple new transaction coordinators. That's kind of an interesting position that we hire here at Premier Property Group. You know, one of the things at Premier Property Group, we're pretty well known to have a very reasonable annual desk fee. It's actually about less than half of most other brokerages or many other brokerages, big name brokerages. And one of the reasons we're able to do that is we find efficiencies and capitalize on them. And an example of this is what we have a position called, we call it our transaction coordinator, but it also doubles as our office manager and receptionist at each of our branches. So each one of our seven branches has a person that sits at the front desk. And yes, they answer phones. Yes, they greet people which are you know that's not an income producing job inherently but they also are a transaction coordinator which means that we have an entire checklist of tasks and duties that they will do for the various brokers within that branch who are looking for people to to do everything from um file management and assistant roles um there's there's a whole suite of services that they they offer And then they're charged per transaction. Um, They range from about $200 to $400 per transaction, depending on what level of help they get. So what's really neat about that is we found that's just one of many different ways that we found an efficiency where we can take something that otherwise would have been a cost to the company and created a way to create revenue to offset that cost and almost break even with it so that you have that help there at the front desk. That doesn't cost you as much money. It's kind of a cool idea.
0: I mean, you're basically taking somebody that's going to be there anyway, right? And you're just giving them more to do, which in essence probably gives them more upward mobility as far as what they could be paid to some extent, which probably gets you a higher quality person overall and it costs the company less money. It seems like a win-win.
1: It's a huge win-win, and it allows it allows us to be incredibly efficient, lean, and mean in, in our different branches. We also give them ten percent of the revenue that they take in, so they're very much incentivized to be engaging the brokers that they work with and doing a good job for them first and foremost, and secondly, you know, getting them to want to do the transaction coordination with them, which is great for the brokers. I mean, they're, they should not be doing the paperwork and some of those remedial tasks, and they should leave that to the person that's highly in tune to that and set up to do that.
0: Well, that way your files don't get screwed up too.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly, and and it creates cleaner files for the yeah. company. So yeah, that's not something to to be taken lightly. So we hired a new one for Lake Oswego, and we've hired a new one recently for our Hollywood branch as well. So very cool. We've been kind of interviewing there and and working through that. Well, sounds like you guys
0: are continuing to grow, which is which is cool to see.
1: Well, yeah, we're actually about to hit 500 brokers, I think. That's going to happen in the next 30 days.
0: Where does that, just out of curiosity, where does that put you on the spectrum of, you know, companies in town, you know, as far as size of, of brokerages in terms of overall agents? That's number two.
1: Okay. That's still number two. I think Remax is number one and they're, they're not much ahead of us and we're moving in the right direction. I'm optimistic that can change in probably the coming 12 months.
0: Okay. So that 500 number puts you definitely in the top two in town then as far as active agents under, under your guys' brokerage. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. That's cool. That's really cool. Sweet. Well, sounds like things are moving along. We, uh, we've had, you know, we're heading into the holidays here. It's a little bit of a slower time for us in terms of our acquisitions usually, but this week and last week have been pretty crazy. Actually, we, um, this past week, an Interesting story. We put a new property under contract in uh, Lake Oswego, of course. That's where we do the majority of our building. And it's in a very nice part of Lake Oswego. It's kind of by my house on a street that's got, basically, it's all probably $1.2 to $1.8 million homes at this point. And so what we do a lot of is we go in and we buy, you know, property in areas like this that maybe have a smaller two-bedroom, one-bath house on it that just kind of underserved the lot or the property. Now it's turned into a higher-end family area as opposed to, you know, that smaller, super old construction-type house. So anyway, point is, we're in contract to buy one of these types of properties. It's a double lot. We're going to basically take the house down, split the lot, build two nice new homes that'll probably be somewhere around 3,500, 4,000 square feet a piece. So a good size, it's a big lot. Funny part is, is that, so we talked to this guy earlier in the week and we actually got it under contract, but he called us for a strange reason. And we've been marketing to him for a while, but there was a realtor who has been pestering this guy for better part of two years now, literally stopping by fairly randomly on and off once a month or so saying, Hey, when are you interested in selling yet? Hey, are you interested in selling yet? And this realtor Kind of Dubs is the front end, you know, acquisition helper for a, a builder in town. So he, you know, he basically goes and he makes contact with people that own property that would be a good acquisition for a builder. Puts himself in the middle, makes a commission, and then hopefully gets the listings on the back end. Right, pretty decent business model, um, and I'm not hating on him for that, not at all. But he's been kind of romancing, or he was romancing, this guy who owned the property for a better part of the last two years, and then on Sunday. Actually, last Friday, he gave him an offer on the property. It was uh, unsolicited, but he just brought him an offer. And then on Sunday, he called him and basically told him that they needed to decide on the offer by the end of the day Sunday or the deal's off the table. (laughs) so you know that's a little he, aggressive yeah
1: a little here's aggressive. the offer you didn't know you were getting and, and by the way
0: you have four hours <laughs> yeah so he's been pursuing him for two years then he gives him an offer on friday and then calls him sunday and says you accept it or the deal disappears at midnight okay. right like a you know a days. turns into a pumpkin so uh, you know you, you can all kind of determine that for yourselves that that might not have been the best idea uh, and he didn't like the aggressive nature of it so he basically took that two years of building rapport and flushed it right down the toilet with that one bad move And in doing so, the guy picked up the phone, he called us, we've marketed to him a lot, he sees our signs everywhere, told us what the guy offered, told us what he wanted. What he wanted was a fair price. It just happened to be that this guy's offer was a little on the light side too. And it was pretty easy property to comp, even as you know, just dirt, because there was a literally a lot the exact same size, two doors down that sold, and it's in the process of being built out. So it's not like it's a tough one to come up with value on, where sometimes it can be. So anyway, he called us and uh, told us what he wanted. I said, sure, sounds reasonable, and <laughs> we ain't the deal. But, you know, this guy, well, I don't know if he listens to the show or not, but if he does, he'll know exactly who he is, I'm sure. You know, he tried to hard sell him on a Sunday, and it backfired on him after two years of trying to put work into this. So I feel a little bad for him, but then after hearing what he tried to, you know, do to get the deal, I'm thinking, you know, he almost deserve to lose out on something like this for being that dumb. So yeah that was uh his loss our gain i'm happy about it the guy's happy to do business with us and we've got another great project in a high-end part of lake oswego to kick off so that was kind of the first thing that happened this week
1: congratulations on that couple quick questions for you first of all poor that guy two years of popping by randomly which is a little bit creepy mind you and then to lose it i mean what a what a choke there at the end
0: how nice is that existing house there It's rental grade. There's two units to it. So, you know, we'll probably actually keep the house in place and rent. The The house has been split into two units, but it's like probably like early 40s construction. So it's pretty old.
1: Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's probably, I would imagine those ones you go into where there's a pretty nice house, but the highest and best use is to tear it down. Those ones are probably a little painful, I would think.
0: Yeah. I mean, rarely in Lake Oswego is that the case. I mean, if people take care of their house in Lake Oswego, it sells for more than dirt value, period. Usually in that area, what we're buying is really like 40s, 30s, 20s construction. It's just not the highest. It's an obvious not the highest and best use for the land at that point. There's very few questionable homes that we've had to take down in Lake Oswego. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So anyway... So that was the first thing. Uh, the second thing is we're actually in the process of taking down another home that's over uh, by where Street of Dreams was this past year. And so we're finally starting this project. But, man, we have more neighbor issues, it seems like, from time to time. But the neighbors to this particular project decided that because... Well, let me let me kind of paint the picture for you. The house had a lot of existing landscaping that was nice landscaping. And so we've been, you know, giving some of these plants to people we know. We're keeping some. We're not just trashing it all. Well, one of the neighbors who claims to have lived in the neighborhood for a long time, which apparently gives them right to whatever it is that they want to do in the neighborhood, decided that it was going to be okay to just kind of come on the property and uproot all of the plants and trees that they wanted to take. And fortunately, they got caught. And, you know, it turned into a bit of a a bit of a blowout, but we caught them doing it. And now we have to put up signage and basically watch them and put up the no trespassing stuff. You know, you wouldn't think that you run into this stuff in Lake Oswego, but you run into it everywhere. And so it just it blows my mind that just because a builder owns something, you feel like you can go on their property and take whatever you want. I mean, if some you caught somebody coming on your property digging up the plants, (laughs) you'd be pretty pissed, right? Yeah. Yes. That's affirmative. Yeah. So it never ceases to amaze me these days, the audacity that some people have in in what they think is okay or right. And so anyway, it's probably going to be a long road dealing with this lovely lady who uh, oh lives next door, but you know, we're used to it at this point. It's just kind of par for the course, but... It was a uh, like, what are you doing? you know kind of moment.
1: what, but, what kind of uh, vegetation was she trying to she take? She was, was trying it? to
0: dig up Japanese maples that oh,
1: obviously those are she. Could, <laughs>
0: yeah, and they could, they're worth a lot too. What's the address of this place? I need one of those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, one, two three Main Street, yeah so anyway. Uh, <laughs> so that was uh, kind of the second interesting dealing. The third one is we had Bruce on the show a couple shows ago, our local house flipper here in Portland, and we actually sold him some of our inventory this past week a house in the um, Brooklyn neighborhood. So we ended up selling it to him, let him complete the renovation. But before we did, uh, it was kind of a hoarder house. It, well, it wasn't kind of, it was absolutely a hoarder house. And so, you know, we helped get the lady out. We moved her into an assisted living facility. And at that point we decided to let Bruce take over and actually complete the renovation because it was going to be a full gut, big, big renovation job. And we were just spread too thin over and like us, we go do all of our new construction. So it made sense to sell it to him, let him finish it off. But I was going through the house because, you know, in a hoarder house, I always like to see if there's any, you know, everybody wants to see if they f- can find a treasure or something, which <laughs> never is the case. More than not, it's just pure crap. But I found something kind of cool. And so, uh, you know, everybody has holiday parties, right? And you've got your white elephant gift parties where everybody wants to try and bring something that's maybe kind of funny and edgy and, you know, it leaves an impact, right? So I found, and, and you'll like this, a gold-plated Tom Peterson watch. <laughs> so i'm sure you remember who tom peterson is i do i do I, he, there was a whole haircut around him yes there was and there's a picture of him on the watch you know with his haircut and all yeah gold plated yeah. and so i'm uh gonna be using that as one of my white elephant gifts this year
1: wasn't it what did he sell was it tvs and and appliances
0: or I think it was electronics electronics yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah. So anyway, that was uh in with all the trash was some unopened. There was actually two of them. I gave one to my uh, office manager, but the, the gal that lived there had a little bit of a QVC obsession, apparently, and so she bought a lot of stuff and never opened it. And so we found these two unopened gold-plated Tom Peterson watches. So that's
1: awesome. That's awesome. He was like in the same vintage era as like Scott Thomason.
0: Yes, but he wasn't a pedophile.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 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 and he didn't drink and drive and hit people and then think, you're not going to recognize me because I've made my face the logo of my company for the last
0: 15 years. <laughs> that too. Yeah. So, uh, interesting choices, of course. Yeah. On his behalf. So, so anyway, that's what's going on with me this week. We were plugging and chugging along with a number of projects, but those are kind of the more notable, uh, entertaining highlights, I guess, for uh, another week in the real estate trenches here in Portland. Yeah. Cool. Good stuff. So this week, we don't have a guest. We've had a number of guests over the past few shows, so we thought me and Steve would just talk about a few things this week, and it'll it'll be a little bit of a shorter show, but we wanted to bring on a segment that we're going to start doing, and sometimes maybe it's longer, sometimes it's shorter, but the name of the segment, and Dan's probably going to bleep me out here, is You Can't Make This Up, and this week, we've got a couple things that you know I'm going to talk about, Steve might add to it, but... One's going to be a headline, you know, outside of Portland. And so we're going to talk about stuff. Maybe it's in Portland. A lot of stuff, a lot of times we see crazy stuff happen in Portland and we talk about it, of course. But this week I found a headline that actually is outside of Portland, but it's equally crazy and it's real estate related. So I thought we'd talk about that. And then I also saw a post and I know we normally do our best of masters, but this extends beyond masters in my opinion. But it was a post in the, in the masters of real estate group that was a, an addendum that was asked to be signed by some buyers. And so I want to bring up and talk about that as well. But the first thing, before we do that, I wanted to talk about the article that I sent you, Steve. And this was, oh, what was the name of the city? I don't have it up in front of me here. Is
1: it, well, the university is Quinnipec?
0: I think it's Qu- Quinnipeg University, yeah. Yeah, in Hamden. Right. So, Quinnipec University in Hamden, as any of you guys know that, uh, and that's Hamden, Massachusetts, I believe. No, Hamden, Connecticut, excuse me, not Massachusetts. Quintepec, the the school there... As in any college, we've got, you know, university housing, and then we've got kind of the edge areas where if you don't live on campus, you kind of live right next to campus, and it's usually pretty loud. I mean, I'm sure you've partaken in a number of parties, Steve, over the years at lovely college towns.
1: Yeah, I've heard they exist.
0: <laughs> they exist is right. So anyway, uh, I'll, I'll let you take it away on the story here. Maybe you can just give that the the cliff notes, and then I'll jump in. And uh, let So our-
1: apparently there was a lot of partying going on, and, and somewhere in the article... That was challenged by some students, understandably. But there was a lot of partying going on. And so the town, what they were acknowledging was it was happening in rental housing. Hence the tie into to our real estate segment here. It was happening in rental housing. And so the town passed an ordinance that's pretty hilarious. I think you could almost do a skit on it, like a Saturday Night Live skit. This might be a but,
0: Portlandia episode, really. Oh my
1: God. <laughs> but the ordinance says... That moving forward, all new rentals to students have to occur with the landlord residing in the property with them simultaneously for at least 10 months out of the year. So, in other words, no longer, you know, is there a vacant house and landlord says, hey, I'm going to put it, you know, out for rent. And, oh, here's three students that want to rent it. Here you go. Now the landlord has to also be in the house with them, which is an interesting concept. Kind of a strange way that would cut down on partying, though.
0: Yeah, it, it would definitely cut down on partying. Seems like, well, it was an idea. It's an idea. I, I don't know that it was a good idea. <laughs> But, uh, I guess at this point, there's already some pushback. There's some lawsuits being filed. They're saying that the, the town, it was, it was really a dumb way to try and solve the problem because the town's going to lose more money trying to defend lawsuits now than it's worth to try and fix the problem that way. So, you know, that's kind of one of those ideas where you're sitting around spitballing with your buddies and, you know, maybe it doesn't make it to the second round of good ideas, right? <laughs> For some reason, that one made it all the way through city council and, and they approved it. And, uh, it just, you can't make this. Sh- up, people. That's, <laughs> and the ordinance is in effect. Yeah. So for those people that own rental properties uh, around Quinnipiac University, if they want to rent them to students, they have to live with the students for 10 months out of the year. So that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting one. Yeah. So that's the first one. The second one, and I, I'm interested in your thoughts on this as well, is the post that was in the master's group. And um, I'm going to read it real quick here just so that I don't represent it improperly. But it basically says that this gal had gotten a very interesting addendum that the listing agent had sent her as the buyer's agent. So basically, she wanted the buyers to sign this addendum for the house that they were buying. And the addendum said, no demolition or footprint change for 36 months. Which basically means that you're buying a property and then the current owner's that you're buying it from are trying to tell you via an addendum that you can't do anything construction-wise to the property, you know, anything demolition-wise, or change the footprint, or knock it down, or do any add-ons or anything like that to the property for 36 months. So, I don't know, Steve, What what do you think of that one?
1: That one is bizarre. That one is really bizarre. And I question the teeth that addendum would have. Several great points were brought up in here. And First of all, Joe Fastola, we're not trying to cut you out of this one. I'm even going to read yours <laughs> and quote you here because, yeah, this was just a quirky one that we just had to bring up for this segment. But yeah, there was some questions as to whether there would be teeth on this without it being a deed restriction, which I would have to agree with. And several great comments were made about, you know, get an attorney on this because it just is hard to imagine this is enforceable. I mean, for one thing, What if the person who buys it were to sell it a year later? Would the next buyer be bound to that? One of the things I didn't see here was why. I think there was several questions of people asking the why are they wanting this? Why is the current seller wanting that to be the case? And I didn't see a good answer from the person that made the post. So you can speculate, but we don't really know if it it was for sentimental reasons. If maybe they had a neighbor next door they were looking after or what what the case was. I'm going to
0: go ahead and speculate because (laughs) being in the building industry, I I can pretty much guarantee, pretty much guarantee what the reasoning is. And that's that, you know, some people have a little bit of a disdain for the infill redevelopment that's happening within the Portland area. And, you know, I, I get it. I don't necessarily agree, but I get it. But I think what this is is kind of an extension of that. And so that's why I wanted to bring it up in this segment. Because it's kind of a big thing, to me anyway, if, if somebody's going to write an addendum like that, it may seem insignificant, some of you out there listening, but to actually draft that and put it in front of somebody and have them sign it, you're basically saying, I don't own the property anymore, but I'm going to tell you what you can and can't do with the property that I sold you. So, I mean, that seems crazy to me, and I think that's a big problem that we're having. You know, it, it pertains to the last thing we talked about, too. Some uh, Somebody else is telling you what you can and can't do with your property that they don't own, Right. And so I think that's a big slippery slope issue. And, and I made a comment on here. I I basically said, don't ever draft an addendum like that. You know, if your clients tell you that. If you don't, if you don't want to sell your property to a developer or a builder, then don't, you know, you have every right in the world to sell it to whoever you want to. And, you know, you should do whatever it is you want to do. But I would say don't engage in a, in a sales contract with somebody and then drop that addendum on them. It seems like a very bizarre thing to do. If I was the realtor, I might try and discourage, well, I know I would discourage the client from actually writing that, but it seems like, you know, some people maybe just don't ask enough questions and and don't say, Hey, what, you know, maybe we should pump the brakes a little bit on this one.
1: Yeah. And here's Joe Fistola. He said, Yeah, have a good attorney draft it. If it is important, what is the reasoning behind it? And along those lines, I didn't understand too. It's an addendum. So unless that was a counter offer, which why would the buyer ever agree to it? Um,
0: I, I don't know. And, you know, I think maybe there's a good point we can make here in terms of, like, giving people information other than just pure entertainment this week. is <laughs> the, the difference between, uh, maybe tell people the difference between an denim and a deed restriction is in terms of what you can and can't do with a property, or at least your idea of that.
1: The reality is that, and I'm, not, I'm no attorney, but it seems to me that most components of a sales contract kind of end when possession ends. Not to say that there couldn't be lingering debate about what was supposed to transpire with regards to possession or component, but it's really hard to imagine too many scenarios, this one included, where possession is done and over with. In other words, the rent back is done, the seller has taken possession. It's hard to imagine too many situations where the sales contract still has lingering teeth or abilities to cause situations to, to occur. Yeah, I would,
0: I would totally agree with you there.
1: So this one, I really question its ability to happen without there being some kind of deed restriction, which is a whole different animal. And
0: Yeah, and deed restrictions pop up a lot. You know, I've dealt with them a lot. We actually dealt with them on one short sale transaction that we did together, you know, a year ago or so, where sometimes when you're buying a short sale, the bank will issue you the approval letter that says, yes, we'll approve the price that you've offered, but the contingency is there's a deed restriction and that deed restriction is, is that you cannot resell the property within 90 days or you can't resell the property within 90 days for more than 120% of what you bought it for. So that sometimes does happen and that's attached to the deed and that will prevent uh, the next sale. But, you know, a deed restriction like this, this would be a really tough thing. I I think you would get yourself sued (laughs) if you try to impose something like this, just because it is a slippery slope issue. And I, you know, I think that's my biggest point here is that, you know, if you're trying to tell people what they can and can't do with a property after you've sold it and you're not the city, mm, you know, yeah, kind of a problem,
1: at least with me. I fully concur. So.
0: All right. Well, those are the two uh, you can't make this bleep up issues that I wanted to bring up this week and chat about. We've got kind of a you know a slower week this week. We've got holidays coming up. We'll probably do a show next week, but Christmas week we'll probably take it off. I'm assuming you're going to be getting out of town or at least taking a break, recharging the battery, Steve.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think next week I think should time nicely with our market action report.
0: Yeah, we'll have one more market action report out before the Christmas New Year's dead time, which you know becomes. You can almost hear a pin drop in the real estate world during that week or two. So we'll probably do one more show next week, and then we'll take some time off for the holidays. But that pretty much wraps it up for this week, Steve. Any uh, parting words before we go for our audience?
1: No, all good here, and we'll look forward to getting back together with everyone on next week and and going over with the latest recap of what's going on out in the market and the activity.
0: Cool. All right, guys. Well, we'll uh, like Steve said, next week is our Market Action Show. We'll talk about what's going on, go over all the details and anything else that might be highly entertaining for you guys. So... This is episode 19. I'm your host Tucker Meyer here with our co-host Stephen Starr. Signing off till next week. Thanks again for listening to our show and make sure to tune in next week for another great episode of the Portland Real Estate Podcast.